Thank you, Brother Mays. Thank you for obeying the voice of God and preaching to us this morning. And I want you to do it again tonight. I want you just to obey the Holy Ghost tonight. I want you to preach what's on your heart. Amen. I want you to take your liberty. I'm ready to hear from God tonight. How about you? Amen. You know, the Apostle Paul commended the Thessalonians. He said, when I was with you, you received my preaching, not as the word of a man, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to learn to receive the preaching as the word of God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. When a man's using as much scripture as this man uses, we know we're getting the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Come take your liberty, elder. We are so glad that you're here. Praise God. Amen. Let's love him right now. Come on. Let's love him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. I praise your name. I praise your name. I praise your name. I will bless the name of the Lord. I will praise your name, God. I will praise your name. I will bless your holy name. Ah, God is good. I said, God is good. Amen. He's not good just once in a while. He's good all the time. He's good all the time. Amen. He's good when I got money in my pocket. He's good when I don't have a dime. Amen. He's good. Amen. All the time. Amen. Praise God. I'm glad to be here tonight. Amen. Thankful for truth. Amen. Amen. If you'll turn me to Genesis chapter 13. Amen. Praise God. I feel about three or four different messages on my heart. <laughs> and uh, But I've really felt one. And there'll be time to preach the other ones when I get to them. Amen. Praise God. How many of you love God tonight? Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. What do you say? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Genesis chapter 13, starting at verse number 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward, southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plains of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Amen. Notice in verse 14 that God tells Abram, to lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward 
and eastward and westward. Then in verse 15, God continues, For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. God was telling Abraham to take a detailed look to the north, the south, the east, and the west. God wanted Abraham, amen, to look in every direction, amen, as far as he could see. Because as far as he could see, amen, the land that God was going to give to him and his descendants forever. Now, I want you to do something strange. I want you to look to the north. That's that way, right? Yeah. I want you to look to the south. I want you to look to the east. And I want you to look to the west. Amen. It's from these words that God speaks to Abram that I want to take my text and preach from the subject for a little while. How far can you see? How far can you see? Let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you, God. I'm asking you, God, to anoint me tonight. Let your anointing fall on me. God, I am nothing without you. I can do nothing without you. Uh, God, I am nothing, God, without you. I need your power. I need your deliverance. Uh, God, I need the deliverance of the Holy Ghost to rest upon me. Uh, I'm asking you, God, it's not by might. Uh, it's not by power. God, you said it's by your spirit. Uh, I'm asking you to let your spirit fill this house. Uh, I'm asking you to speak to someone today. Uh, oh, God, hear us right now as we come before you. Uh, we need you, God. We need you, God. We need you. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. I will give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. It's time for the church to quit trying to put God in a nice little package that fits into our foolishly defined human reasoning of what we think God can or cannot do. Can I hear an amen? It's time for the church to take the limits off of God and trust him at his word. Oh, it's time for the church to realize just how much we belittle God whenever we say that our situation or our circumstance is hopeless. We need to become aware of the fact that when we fail to trust God and to take care of the problem or when we think that our condition or an, even an individual is too far from God to move upon him, that we are literally slamming the door in the face of God with our unbelief. Uh, we used to sing the words that old chorus that say, there's nothing, no nothing, there's nothing my God can't do. Uh, miracles and wonders, uh, there's nothing, no nothing that my God can't do. Uh, we need to quit just singing those words uh, and start believing them. Can I hear an amen? Uh, we need to quit making excuses for our lack of fa faith and trust in God uh, and step out in faith. Uh, take God at his word uh, and believe that there is absolutely nothing that God cannot do. You see, God's word tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church about Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. 
Now each of us need to listen closely to what that scripture is saying. Because God is definitely able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But the last portion of that verse says, according to the power that worketh in us. God is more than able to answer our prayer. God is more than able to go above and beyond to supply our need. God is more than able to save the sinner and restore the backslider. God is more than able to bring deliverance to the captive. God is more than able to bring healing to sickness and disease. God is more than able to make a way for you when there seems to be no way. God is, oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Oh God, help us. God is more than able to make a way for you when there seems to be no way. God is more than able to take care of your problem and turn your situation around. God is more than able to take care of the trouble in your life. God is more than able to remove the obstacle in your path. God is more than able to correct the issue that destroys you. Amen. God is more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. But he is waiting for us uh, to exercise the power that works in us. Uh, Oh, God, somebody help me preach tonight. Uh, Somebody help me. Uh, My God, uh, it's time for the apostolic church of Jesus Christ collectively and each one of us individually uh, that claim to have the Holy Ghost to start acting like it. It's time for us to rise up in faith and utilize the power that resides within us through the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. For Jesus very adamantly declared in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, amen, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Somebody say the uttermost part of the earth. You know what we need to do? We need to quit whining and sniveling about your problems, your troubles, and what all you lack, and and put the power of faith into effect. It's not that God cannot do it or that God will not do it, amen, because God is able to do exceeding abundantly. God is able, God is able, God is able. Why don't you say it? God is able, but it is according to the power that worketh in us. It's time we take a look at us. The problem's not God. The problem's us. The church collectively and each one of us individually must take responsibility for any failure we experience. Because we just read where God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. And we love to quote that. But far too often we stop at that point and we want to lay a finger on God, uh, uh, blame uh, blame him when it doesn't seem to answer our prayer uh, and provide what we expect or do what we demand uh, that he do in the time frame. Uh, we think that it should be done. Uh, but what about the rest of that verse that says, according to the power that worketh in us? If we don't see a move of God, it's not God's fault. If we have a dead, dry, and dull or boring church, it's not God's fault. Amen. I said it's not God's fault. 
Uh, some of you need to learn how to run. Some of you need to learn how to put one foot up in front of the other. I said some of you need to learn how to leap for joy. It doesn't say leap because you got joy. It said leap for joy. If our services are not uplifting and encouraging, it's not God's fault. If we fail to worship God in spirit and in truth, it's not God's fault. If we don't experience revival, it's not God's fault. If we don't see church growth, it's not God's fault. If our prayers are hindered, it's not God's fault. If we don't see signs, wonders, and miracles, it's not God's fault. Oh, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. But we can blame no one but ourselves if we're not experiencing the display of the power, the anointing, the virtue, and the presence of God, somebody love him right now. Come on, let's love him right now. God's wanting to do something in this house tonight. I said God wants to do something in this house. Oh, God help us. God help us. responsibility we also have to do more than just claim this scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 we must apply and implement this scripture in our daily walk with God because it goes hand in hand with this promise that God made to Abraham from where we've taken our text I read to you where God told Abraham to lift up his eyes and look from the place where he was to the north to the south, to the east, and to the west. God told him as far as he could see, the land was going to be his descendants forever. Then God told him to go and walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. I don't know why this just came to me, but several years ago I was pastoring in a little town called Iola, Kansas. And we were asking God for a move of the Holy Ghost and asking God to bring souls in. And a man came to me. He said, Brother Mays, he said, have you ever prayed over the town? And I said, no, I guess I did. He said, why don't you pray over it? He said, that courthouse square is right up there. He said, you know what I'd do? He said, I'd go to that courthouse and I'd pray. And brother, that's what I did. I went and I began to weep over that town. I began to weep over the community of Iola. I began to weep. And God began to build souls. God told Abraham to look as far as he could see. Because what God was going to give him was as far as his eyes could see. Everything that he could see in every direction was going to belong to him. Every inch of ground, every hill, every valley, every mountain peak, every river and stream, every bush, every tree, every plant, all the way down to every blade of grass, every rock, 
every dirt clod and every grain of sand as far as Abraham could see was going to be his. God told Abraham to walk throughout the land, walk the entire length and breadth of it because this land, according to God's own word, he promised that he was given it to Abraham and all of his offspring forever. I believe that there's a, pro- a reason that this promise that God made to Abraham is recorded in the word of God. I said, I believe there is a reason. I believe that God included this in his word for more than just a history lesson or a descriptive account of his generosity. I believe that there is a spiritual principle, amen, that goes much deeper than God just giving Abraham a vast portion of land. I believe God wants the church to lift up our eyes and look from the place where we currently are to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west because as far as we can see, it belongs to us. I said it belongs to us. Now before someone goes, amen, to the elder and tells him I went off into false doctrine, that I'm preaching something that does not pertain to the church today, let me establish by scripture, amen, that the promise that God made to Abraham was not just to Abraham alone, but it was also a prophetic word for the church today. And I can prove this by the very word of God because of what Romans chapter 4 verses 13 through 17 tell us. Uh, Listen to what these verses say. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if, if they which are of the law be heirs, Faith is made void and the promise made of none effect because the law worketh wrath for where no law is there is no transgression therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed not to that only which is of the law but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Oh, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Woo! The Apostle Paul made it very clear to the church at Rome, which by the way were Gentiles like you and I, that the promise was not just to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. He further emphasized in verse 14 that if only the heirs of the promise were those that were of the law, then faith was made void, and the promise is null and void also. And then he further drives the point home when he states in verse 16 that the promise is of faith that it might be 
by grace to the end, oh God, to the end the promise might be to all the seed, not to only them which are of the law, but to them also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And further, if we go back to second chapter of Romans, verses 28 and 29, we're told, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So in our text verses, when God told Abraham to lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. That promise was more than just a natural promise. That promise had spiritual implications as well. And according to the Apostle Paul, that promise included the church, which includes those of us who are of the household of faith. It's time for the church to lift up our eyes and look from the place where we are. Ah, can anybody say amen? It's time for us to look to the north, the south, east, and the west uh, and start claiming the promise. Uh, Our problem is sometimes we get our eyes so fixed on where we are, we can't see where we're going. Uh, We go get so fixated on the problem, uh, we can't see the answer. Uh, God was telling Abraham, uh, I want you to get your eyes off of where you are and get them on the promise. Uh, Oh, somebody gonna help me. Uh, So many times when troubles and trials, uh, afflictions or sickness try to take hold, uh, We get our minds so fixated on the problem that we don't remember to look on the promise. Some of us got our minds so fixed on this COVID, we can't see anything else but COVID. I'm not worried about COVID. My God's bigger than COVID. I said, my God's bigger than COVID. I said, my God's bigger than COVID. God was telling Abraham, I want you to get your eyes off where you are and set them on the promise. You see, God didn't just want Abraham to settle down and quit where he was. He had more for Abraham. He had plans for him. Amen. Abraham's journey was just beginning. We have a lot of people that once God's filled them with the Holy Ghost, And they step into the promised land of righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. But then after a while, they just sit down thinking they can rest on their backsides till Jesus comes. Help me, God. Some of you got a problem. I said some of y'all got a problem. You don't want to get up off your backside. Amen. Well, glory to God. If I out of line, brother... Please understand, the promised land was not a type of heaven as so many mistakenly believe. There are not going to be no giants to defeat in heaven. 
There'll be no walled cities inhabited by the heathens to conquer in heaven, uh, but rather the promised land was a type and a foreshadow of the Holy Ghost experience. Uh, oh, God help me. Uh, it was a type of place uh, that the church is in now. Uh, it's time for the church to possess the land. God told the children of Israel, I brought you here and given you the land. Now it's up to you to go and possess it. It's time for the church to go possess the promised land. We wandered around in the wilderness. I'm preaching to somebody right here. I said you wandered around in the wilderness for far too long and you watched one another die off without ever seeing the promise of triumphant battles fought, victories won, and new converts being born again of water and spirit. But I'm going to tell you the last convert's not been won. The, oh God, my God, my God, my God. The last new convert's not been born again of water and spirit somebody get your eyes of faith and start looking over the land when God told Abraham to lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art God was telling Abraham I want you to look from the place where you currently are at Get your eyes off of the place where you are right now and look all around you. How far can you see, Abraham? You need to take a real good look in every direction around you because as far as you can see, uh, I am going to give it to you and your descendants forever. I don't know how far the natural eye can see, but you get out in Kansas, I promise you can see a long way. And some of you need to get some spiritual eyes. And you need to start looking. Amen. I said you need to start looking. I've come to this pulpit tonight to tell every one of us it's time for us to do what God told Abraham to do. It's time for the church collectively and each one of us individually to get our eyes off the place where we are now. It's Oh God, I said it's time for us to get our eyes off of the place where we are now. It's time to get our eyes off of whatever problem that we've gotten used to and weighed down with. Whatever issues that are hindering us and our troubles, amen, that are on the horizon, amen, and get our eyes on the promise. Far too many of us, my God, I said get your eyes on the promise. The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Far too many have let their troubles and their problems define their life and their testimony. All that you ever can hear coming out of their mouth is gloom, despair, and woe is me. Amen. They can remember and quote the verse, first portion of Psalm 34, verse 19, to states, many are the afflictions of the righteous. And man, they can quote that, oh, bless God, Pastor, I'm just afflicted. Oh, I'm afflicted. Amen. But they forget the rest of that verse. Says, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Somebody quoted, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. They constantly go around with their bottom lip dragging the ground and tearfully saying, well, I guess God must be mad at me. Or God must be taking his anger out on me because he knows my circumstance. 
And if this is just the way it's got to be, so be it. Bless God anyhow. But this, with people with this mindset, I want you to go read your Bible. Yes, God does know your circumstance. And every day he offers you the promise of his word. You need to read Lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 and 23. Because it directly contradicts that defeatist attitude when it says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, somebody love him right now. Oh, oh, it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassion fail not. They are new every morning. and every day is another day that the Lord hath made and each new day you have a choice you can keep the problem and flounder around in self-pity or you can do what the 121st Psalm, verse number one says, I will lift up mine eyes under the hills from whence cometh my help. Uh, I promise you the first thing I did when I came out uh, from under that surgeon's uh, hands and I came to, I said, thank you, God. Uh, thank you, God, for bringing me through. Uh, and every day I've been praying, thank you, God, for another day. Uh, thank you, Lord. Uh, oh, go ahead, lift up your eyes and claim the promise uh, and rejoice. Rejoice in faith, knowing that this is the day the Lord hath made, and I will rejoice in it, because you have confidence in the very word of God that says he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all. We can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Abraham had to choose. He had to choose to look up from where he was. But looking was just the beginning. Because there was also a second command that was given. And after God told Abraham to lift up his eyes from the place where he was, God then told Abraham in verse 17, Arise, walk through the land, the length of it, and the breadth of it, for I will give it to thee. Abraham's promise was forever. But it was conditional. Because God then told Abraham to arise and walk through the land. It could not have been done. It would have not done Abraham one bit of good just to look at all the land that God had promised him. Because God followed the command to lift up his eyes with yet another command that said, Arise and walk through it. Abraham's promise would be forever. But Abraham would have to get up and walk through it and clay claim to it. Once you look up, you're going to have to get up and claim it. Oh God, I hope somebody gets the hold of this tonight. I want somebody to get a hold of it and claim it because no one ever obtains the promise without putting forth some kind of effort. So not only is it time for the church to lift up our eyes and look from the place where we are, it's time to arise and walk through the land. For far too long we've looked at the promise. We've talked the promise. We've sang about the promise. we preached about the promise, but we have failed to get up and walk to the land. Get up, get up, get up in Jesus.
Jesus' name. God has promised us the harvest, but we have to arise and walk to the land. In the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus declares, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Lift up your eyes, church. How far can you see? Look to the north. Look to the south. Look to the east. Look to the west. Arise and walk through the land. Uh, how far can you see? Uh, can you see the fields that are white already to harvest? Uh, as far as you can see, God said that He would give it to you. Uh, oh God, I'm. Oh God, help me. Somebody needs to look. Somebody needs to see. Amen. The fields are white already to harvest, and that's exactly what the problem is. Because far too many in the church are just like the servants of Elisha that we read about in Second. Kings chapter 6 verse 15 all they can see is the enemy that compasses the city a heart full of fear, doubt and uncertainty and unbelief all they can ever say to their pastor is exactly what Elisha's servant said to him alas my master how shall we do you just get up and go do it answer is you got to lift up your eyes to see what the man of God sees. Someone in this place needs to understand just what Elisha told his servant. Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Musicians, please come. And in verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And I don't claim to be an Elisha. And Brother Riggin doesn't claim to be Elisha. But the prayer of this pastor for this church is, Lord, open their eyes uh, that they may see. Because they that be with us are far more than they that be with them. Do you understand what I'm preaching tonight, church? This man has a vision for this church to grow. This church ought to be full. I said this church needs to be full. Oh, God, somebody help me. Oh, God, somebody help me. The final key is found in the last verse from where he took our text. Verse number 18, it tells us, Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Somebody needs to build an altar. Abram obeyed. And that's exactly what God is looking for in this church. Obedience. Lift up your eyes. 
and get up and walk to the land. Stand with me. Whatever your problem is, whatever your circumstance is, I want you to take your eyes off of your past. Take your eyes off of your past mistakes and your failures. Take your eyes off of what we don't have. And lift up your eyes and look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And start believing for what we're going to have. And I want you to do something else right now. I want you to get up and raise your hands and thank God for the promise. Some of you need to get up and make your way to this altar and claim your right to possess the land. Oh, God, come on right now in Jesus' name. Some of you young people need to get it down deep inside of you. Oh, God, I want more of you. I want more of you. Come on, make your way to this altar. These altars are open. Come on, come on down. Come on, get a hold of this. Get a hold of it right now in Jesus' name. Oh, God, I love you. I praise you, God. I magnify you. I glorify you in Jesus' name.